under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Ah, hello and welcome to the program. You are listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And I have a confession to make tonight. I hope you, my fellow Americans, do not think less of me for it. And joining me is my guest tonight here on the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And be sure to go to our Book of Faces page, our Facebook page, the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Give it a like because you might have anticipated what I was going to admit tonight. My sidekick this evening is Nate Hicks. Good evening. Now, Nate, as you've told me, you served with honor. Yes, sir. In the United States military. Uh-huh. In the Army? In the Army. How many years? 18. You had any tours? Uh, early on, I went to Kosovo twice, but no, not since then. Okay. But I've seen my, my share of bullets and bad meals fair enough and you know this whole thing as people are getting upset over the kneeling during the national anthem and this is what the flag stands for and people i think speaking passionately and in a heartfelt way were saying the military and the men and women who fought but mostly historically the men who fought for us, gave us these rights, and I'd say, eh, well, no, God or nature's God gives us our rights. The point of those who take up arms is to defend those mm-hmm, rights. Mm-hmm. And I could do a bigger test of, well, were the wars they were serving in actually defending liberty? And you could go down that road, but I think I think in uh, some of the wars that we've fought in, we were defending other people's liberty, not our own. Right. And then I think some were sort of uh, an inheritance from the European empires, especially after the Second World War. You know, the First World War, I don't see why the United States needed to get involved in that. War of 1812, I think we got our n- nose punched and our nose bloodied because we were a little too, um, well envious of Canada, and the British slapped us back. So the Civil War is a whole other... But we got a really good song out of it. Yeah, well, exactly. 1812 is, is wonderful. But it made me really think of, how do you define your nation? And... It's hard for me to say. Let's go back to, I mean, you know, the earliest times, biblical times, you you defined your nation as the heritage or ethnic group you belong to. See, I wouldn't define a nation in that way today. Well, I'm not saying that we should. I'm but just that's saying how that's... it was historical. Right. I would say a nation is where your heart is. As well as your mind. But a nation, especially in the sense of the United States, is, well, it's a written idea. The United States came into being based on words. We hold these truths to be self-evident. It starts with the Declaration. Mm -hmm. 
that we are essentially putting into words this idea. And yes, there was a historical period. Yes, there were particular people that fought in the Revolutionary War, that fought in the Civil War, that fought in all the many wars. But if we start defining nations and nationhood in terms of that older definition, Mm -hmm. I think we lose what makes America a unique and exceptional nation, or the potential for it to be at least. We lose that in the first place. That it is an idea and it's a love of liberty and justice for all. And I could go back to other shows that I was talking about. I think what founded the nation, what capitalism or the rising middle class or bourgeoisie were built on was that, yeah, nice guys actually did finish first. It mm-hmm. wasn't the Gordon Geckos of the world they came right. by. It's people that not only had prudence or self-interest, but it, people who had courage, people who had moderation or temperance. People who, well, had a sense of justice, but also that Christian sense of faith, hope, and love. And faith is more than just what denomination do you belong to, but it is the idea of who you are, where you come from. Hope is the idea of what are you trying to do, where are you going, what are the projects you wish to pursue. And the greatest of these is, of course, love that I think we often forget about in politics that love means understanding and trying to love even your enemies. Mm -hmm. MLK, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., talked about this beautifully just a few miles from here in the 50s. I think it's a sermon from 57 I've brought up a lot called Loving Your Enemies. And he's not just quoting from the Bible. He's quoting from great poets from old and from Greek philosophers. The erudition of MLK is uh, without doubt in He talks about how you begin to love others is you first, yes, there is hatred in the world, but you first have to look in the mirror. So I was doing some soul searching this weekend. Excuse me. Well, I mean, I just, (laughs) I, um, I have to get it out. I think I might have committed a treasonous act. I was, um, you know, I've been playing a lot of vinyl records and I was really doing that. Where does my heart and my head reside. Where is my nation? Where yes, I was born an American, yeah. and I am technically an American citizen. But I don't know if my I don't I don't tear up at the flag. I don't get offended when those who maybe disrespect the flag as other Americans do. But when somebody messes with the funk, it's yes, a, I've I've gone and done it. It's a step too far. I've gone and done it. I I pledged. Groove allegiance to the funk and nothing but the funk. The United States of Funkadelica. Yes, it just took me away. I put on Funkadelics, one nation under a groove. And I realized that this is my nation, this is my home. This is the place I belong, where I feel as though I can be myself to be as funky as I want to be. Even if I was born with white skin, so to speak, it's more like a weird pastel. They were asking me, and I did. found myself singing this. Well, with the United we 
as this record player is spinning out these sounds, and I find myself, yes, I pledge groove allegiance to the funk. It's like, I don't feel like my other fellow Americans may be getting upset what's going on at NFL games. But then I realize that this was just another way of living in the United States in the 70s when this comes out. That there was this sort of cookie-cutter Motown sound, the Philly sound. You had pop R&B, pop soul. But then people like George Clinton and his group said, well, we're going to do what we want. And in fact, he I was watching a documentary last night. George Clinton took a lot of musicians from James Brown because James Brown was being too heavy-handed. You have to play this exact way. You have to play exactly how James Brown wants it to be played. George said, play however you want. Play however you like. why I love the idea of a nation built on liberty. That you can have people who are proud of defending the nation's ideals, but you can also have people that are trying to find completely new ways of living. That liberty abhors conformity. That when you give people freedom, you have to understand that you're risking the fact that they might come up with a completely different way to play music. They might come up with a different way of living their lives, whether it's putting together families or loving one another. And though I am still, for all the funkiness I talk about and trying to be open-minded, I'm still fairly a conservative guy. Well, you know what? You know what? I, I don't mean to interrupt, but, you know, is is it... That we feel like we can only pledge allegiance to one nation? Right. Be- because I feel like a nation is not a country. A nation is a way of being. It's where your heart and mind right. reside. Like, I can reside in a nation of bikers or mm. in my work nation or, you know, it's my environment. It is my, well, my sphere. In many ways, yeah. As you just said, you can... You could be part of a biker group. You could maybe be part of a particular church, not to compare the two, but you know what I mean. <laughs> that you can be a, a member of your church nation. You can be a member of your uh, your favorite music, you know, that I'm part of the Prince Nation or I'm part of the WWE Nation. I'm, Which you are. Yeah, I'm also part of the Oscar Wilde Nation and the H.L. Mencken Nation that... And you you can boil them down, and yes, I find that what allows people to be part of multiple nations, instead of telling people, you have to live a certain way, and this is the only way you can be a good American, I think America's at its best when it says, well, as long as you are peaceful, and you do not infringe on other people's rights, as Thomas Jefferson said it, I don't care if my neighbor believes in one God or 20 gods. 
If it neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg, what business is it of mine? Yeah, exactly. And Jefferson goes on, actually, in those words to say that the principle on which the United States is founded is freedom of conscience. So if your conscience tells you that, oh, I want to listen to Frank Sinatra, go ahead. But if your conscience tells you, I want to create funk music that's a fusion of James Brown and then psychedelic rock and create this whole idea of a different world where music and groove bring people together, go right ahead. I love the idea of America being this melting pot that is a little bit chaotic. And occasionally you see these new waves that pop up. And you've probably gone through phases in life. Oh, definitely. Where you were part of this nation and now, well, no, I've given that up. I'm part of this nation. I'll tell you the, the greatest movie I ever saw. Uh, dealt with this subject it was called PCU, and uh, if you've ever seen it, and it just basically depicted a politically correct university where we have all these different nations of people who back behind one idea and that defines them as a hmm. people. And here comes this reckless, no nation frat house, and they get parliament funkadelic. Isn't uh, Jeremy Piven yes. in that? Yes. And Jer and they get Parliament Funkadelic to play at a party, and you see all these nations of people coming together under funk to to say, you know, I can eat meat and be a vegetarian. You know, I, you know. <laughs> well, I don't you know, know what I mean. I know, know what, what I mean. You, that, I know what you mean. But you can at least be friends with vegetarians. I don't my life under this one idea. Right, and I see that so often with people in politics. I like get in their group. Right, you got your conservative line. You have different camps within a conservative line. You get the democratic well, and line. It's like libertarians do this too. Uh, a friend of ours of the of the shows here, Kenny, said that yeah. when he went to vote, the lady asked him, you know, which which primary are you voting in, and he said Republican, and she was just aghast. Well, how because he, of how he looked. Yeah, because he's an African American gentleman. How can you be voting for a Republican primary? And why do we keep pigeonholing ourselves into these? These right. stereotypes. You can be whatever you want to be. That's right. As long, it, in my mind, you can be whatever you want to be as long as it's peaceful. And it doesn't infringe on someone else's yeah. ability to be what they want to be. It, and we're losing that. It, and it's something H.L. Mencken noticed in the 20s, is that for all this talk of liberty, America is also a nation of right thinking. Not like right, left, on right. A, but you're thinking in the correct way. So to be a proper American, whether it's part of a certain class of people, is right. usually the wasps and, and that thought might, of this. might makes right. Well, yes, if might makes right. If you're the domineering uh, group, then you make the rules. But you also have cultural signals. So you have to drink a particular type of beer. You have to eat at particular restaurants. You have to eat in a, you know the right diets and all these things. And it's in a nation where we think of ourselves as free and liberated, we're always browbeating one another to be the same. Yeah. And that's actually... The most selfish thing you can do in life is to tell somebody you have to be like me, that we all have to be the same. Now, I'm all for equality of freedom, that, again, anything peaceful. If you want to listen to country music, I'm not a big fan of country music. But you go right ahead. You go right ahead. Hey, and if you want to convince me that there's some country music out there I should listen to, give it a chance, Joey. 
stop it with your pledge to the funk, the United Funk of Funkadelica? <laughs> well, maybe you'll convince me. I doubt it. But maybe <laughs> you will convince me. But I was sitting here listening to this album this weekend, Nate, and it's the idea of bringing together people through music really spoke to me. And it doesn't always, it doesn't have to be this out there, again, psychedelic funk. You know, these you guys know, were probably on acid when they recorded and wrote this album. But it, it isn't just speech. I was saying earlier, America's a written nation. Mm -hmm. It's a nation founded on actual documents yeah. instead of just blood and tradition. And actually, I think more fundamental than language, before we even started writing things down, I bet you man made music. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Before language ever began. And there's something fundamental about music, and it's why I keep going back to it, that speaks across cultures. I bet you I can find people all over the world that know who Parliament Funkadelic is. Oh, definitely. Who know who George Clinton yeah. is. Who know who James Brown is and Michael Jackson. Who know who Prince is. Mm -hmm. Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Iron Maiden. Yeah. They can go all over, the, all over the map. The whole spectrum. And music breaks down these barriers. And yet we think of them as like, oh, there are these little frills and luxuries. Well, and the important stuff is economic resources and wealth and all this. Yes, the reason we have all this music is because we are a market society. There's enough wealth to where I can be Mr. Fancy Pants up here, Mr. Fancy Man up here, and I just talk all day and somehow I get paid for it. We've advanced that far. But we also need to realize that this isn't just, oh, a luxury of me being a rich part of the bourgeoisie or a rich middle class person in America. That this is actually very fundamental to who we are. The music we listen to, the food we eat. And, and I think that's where our education system has gone wrong. They because try they, to they look at it as a, as a nicety as opposed to as, um, you know, a, a core thing to learn in school, to learn music, to, to appreciate it. Um, because the arts are looked at as not something that produces, um, you know, outcomes, uh, specific outcomes like math and science and language. So, you know, you can't put a, a value on it. Right. And I, I always thought America was a nation of individual over the collective. And yet sometimes when I hear people talk about, you know, respect the nation, you're not a good American. It's like you're shaming people. Because they're doing exactly what the world or the, the nation was founded on. Yeah. Individualism. And I think it's actually the decline of individualism, the decline of freedom in the personal sphere and the economic sphere and the centralization of power to say that you have to all march to the beat of the same drum that is driving us apart. Oddly and counterintuitively, if you allow people to do what they wish, they actually find more unity. Hopefully one day we'll be one nation under a groove. Maybe you'll come up with a different one, a different groove. But for me, well, I'm not an American first. I'm a funketeer first. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. We'll be right back. You more of what you're talking for. Don't tell me now. 
Listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. This is also off the album One Nation Under a Groove. A song called Maggot Brain, performed live. Probably one of the best pieces of guitar work ever. The guitarist is Eddie Hazel. And again, as I've said before, music gives me my center. And if not for. If not for the liberty to pursue our own paths, to live life as we wish, which doesn't mean that you're always going to get everything you want, but it allows us to create different sounds, different ways of living. I I tend to be, I guess, a hipster, whatever the hell you want to call me. I'm usually looking back. I love old music. I love good food. It's not that complicated to me. Friendship is the most important thing in life. But I feel like we are losing our sense of liberty in this country, that we are confusing liberty with the power to impose our vision for society on others that we have been corrupted by the promises of power now I think everybody's familiar with the famous Lord Acton quote power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely but it is worth remembering Lord Acton for more than just his most famous quote As the Acton Institute biography of the man says, quote, he was considered one of the most learned people of his age, unmatched for the breadth, depth, and humanity of his knowledge, and became known as one of the most articulate defenders of religious and political freedom in the 19th century. So I want to share some of Acton's words with you tonight. As... Funkadelic's One Nation Under and Groove inspired me to, well, just enjoy life. Acton says, At all times, sincere friends of freedom have been rare. In every age, liberty's progress has been beset by its natural enemies. 
by ignorance and superstition, by lust for conquest, by lust of conquest, and by love of ease, by the strong man's craving for power, and the poor man's craving for food. By liberty, writes Lord Acton, I mean the assurance that every man shall be protected in doing what he believes is his duty against the influence of authority and majorities, custom and opinion. Liberty is the prevention of control by others. This, of course, requires self-control. Liberty alone demands for its realization the limitation of the public authority. For liberty is the only object which benefits all alike and provokes no sincere opposition. You see, the two parties today, folks, and this is just me speaking, aren't fighting over liberty. Their best impulses sometimes drive them to ask for more liberty for people. But really, they're fighting over who is going to impose their way of life, or at least nudge Americans into their way of life. But as it has always been, liberty provokes no sincere opposition. If you actually stand for liberty, you give people a room, a space to persuade one another, to live, well, protected against the imposition of authority or majority or custom or prevailing opinion. Then you will see incredible, beautiful things created. Lord Acton goes on, quote, liberty and good government do not exclude each other, and there are excellent reasons why they should go together. Liberty is not a means to a higher political end. It is itself the highest political end. It is not for the sake of a good public administration that it is required, but for the security and the pursuit of the highest objects of civil society and of private life. You see, a nation founded and devoted to liberty is not a nation that says, oh, we need national greatness or we need a good government. No, it says we need a government to protect our liberty so that we can pursue incredible things in civil society. To pursue incredible things in private life. Not the glories of public life, but the pleasures of of our own personal sphere. Liberty is not the power of doing what we like. And this is key, folks. It is not the power of doing what we like, but the right of being able to do what we ought to do. Liberty enables us to do our duty unhindered by the state, by society, by ignorance and error. We are free in proportion as we are safe from these impediments. Obscure ethics imply imperfect liberty, for liberty comes not with any ethical system, but with a very developed one. As I've talked about on this show, the seven key virtues. Sanctifying freedom, teaching men to treasure the liberties of others as their own, and to defend them for the love of justice and charity, more than a claim as a right. 
has been the soul of what is great and good in the progress of the last 200 years. By birth, all men are free. What Acton said there is very profound. That sanctifying freedom is teaching men to treasure the liberties of others as their own and to defend them for the love of justice and charity more than as a claim of a right has been the soul of what is great and good in the progress of the last 200 years. So it is not liberty in the sense of I get to be alone. Don't trample on me. I only care about myself. No, it is teaching men to treasure the liberties of others for the sake of justice and love. It is to say, man, liberty is so personal to me, it can probably work for others. And I was mentioning it earlier with Jefferson, freedom of conscience. Well, Acton writes, quote, conscience imperatively demands a corresponding measure of personal liberty. With, no, with this, no human authority can be permitted to interfere. We are bound to extend to the utmost and to guard from every encroachment the sphere in which we can act in obedience to the sole voice of conscience, regardless of any other consideration. People must be free to act upon and to listen to their own conscience. Will it always be properly informed? Will it always be right? No. But the interest of individuals, writes Lord Acton, is above the exclusive interest of the state. The power of the whole is not to be set in the balance for a moment with freedom. That is the conscience of the individual. And those who act on other principle are the worst of criminal. That when we put liberty aside, you hear this all the time in the security against liberty debates, that we have to find a balance. That we have to find a balance between the will of the people and individual rights. No, individual rights trump the majority. Acton goes on, it is easier to find people fit to govern themselves than people to govern others. Every man is the best, the most responsible judge of his own advantage. The great question is to discover not what governments prescribe, but what they ought to prescribe. For no prescription is valid against the conscience of mankind. To put it another way, governments... As the authority, do not decide what is right. It is each person's individual conscience, well developed and discussed, that says, no, this or that has authority in this given sphere. The finest opportunity ever given to the world was thrown away because the passion of equality made vain the hope for freedom. That is, I think, so often the issue with not only folks on the left, but people on the left tend to uphold equality above liberty. But when you try to make everybody equal, 
As Acton says, you make vain the hope for freedom. The danger is not that a particular class is unfit to govern. It's not that Democrats are unfit to govern or Republicans are unfit to govern or whites or blacks or whatever group are unfit to govern. It's that everybody is unfit to govern, every class. Again, power corrupts. Acton says, whenever a single definite object is made the supreme end of the state, be it the advantage of a class, the safety of the power of the country, the greatest happiness of the greatest number, or the support of any speculative idea, the state becomes for the time inevitably absolute. Laws are made for the public good. But the public good is not to be considered if it is purchased at the expense of an individual. The will of the people cannot make just that which is unjust. We so often hear that during elections. That's what the people decided. That if, say right now in Alabama, more people vote for Roy Moore than they do Luther Strange, then Roy Moore is the right man to rule. Who knows? That's how our system works. Is it how it should work? Just because you have a majority doesn't mean that what the majority decides is right. There are many things the government can't do. Many good purposes it must renounce. It must leave them to the enterprise of others. It cannot feed the people. It cannot enrich the people. It cannot teach the people. The one pervading evil of democracy, writes Lord Acton, is the tyranny of the majority. Or rather, if that party, not always the majority, that succeeds by force or fraud in carrying elections. It is bad to be oppressed by a minority, but it is worse to be oppressed by a majority. The most certain test by which we judge whether a country is really free is the amount of security enjoyed by minorities. Among all the causes which degrade and demoralize men, Power is the most constant and most active. Those who have more power are liable to sin more. No theorem in geometry is more certain than this. The possession of unlimited power corrodes the conscience, hardens the heart, and confounds the understanding. There is no error so monstrous that it fails to find offenders. There are principles which override precedents. There is such a thing as a higher law. Really what I'm getting at, what Lord Acton is getting at, is that yes, the government has sacrificed our liberties for all sorts of perceived public goods. 
for security, for health, for education. And really, since this is a democratic government, well, now that most almost everybody has the right to vote, we continue to allow the majority to reign supreme. To have their representatives, whether in the Senate or the House or the presidency in particular, act like they are the soul of the nation. But as long as we keep giving up our liberties, we will keep tearing ourselves apart. Because of his concern with freedom, Lord Acton was intensely interested in and concerned about America's experiment with liberty. And he left no doubt about how important our founding was to the cause of liberty throughout the world when he said, quote, Washington and Hamilton, their example teaches that men ought to be in arms even against a remote and constructive danger to their freedom. That even if the cloud is no bigger than a man's hand, it is their right and their duty to stake the national existence, to sacrifice lives and fortunes, to shatter crowns and scepters and fling parliaments into the sea. On this principle of subversion, they erected their commonwealth and by its virtue lifted the world out of its orbit and assigned a new course to history. See, America wasn't founded on conformity. It wasn't founded on praising our leaders blindly. It wasn't founded on rule through the ballot box. It was founded on subversion of unjust authority. It was founded on subversion of those that would sap people's liberty. And those who subverted the British, who opened up a can of whoop-ass at Yorktown, they themselves would act unjustly. And throughout this nation's history, trying to live up to an ideal... Not to the race, not to a religion, not to blood or soil, but trying to live up to an ideal that freedom is for all, that justice and charity are for all. There have been improvements, but often those that brought the improvements were considered subversives, were considered dangerous people. That the government spied on. It's such a shame that a word say such as anarchism was branded by, say, presidents like Teddy Roosevelt as a dirty word to mean blowing things up and creating chaos. And really, what it meant is no rulers. 
You know, if we can find our center again as a country, if we can be good to one another, person to person, we'll find that we don't all have to dance to the same song. We don't all have to learn about the world in the same way. We don't have to worship the same God or watch the same sports or eat the same food or have the same friends. And our ideal may not actually have any borders. And by that I mean through example and through inspiring others around the world they can also share in the fruits of liberty. But again, I worry that we have lost that. We're not one nation under a groove. In many ways, we're not even one nation under God. At least not nature's God. You know, sometimes to hear people talk about the government and the flag and military service makes you think the United States, the federal government, the central government has become the new God. Or even worse, the people have become the new God on earth. Whatever the people say goes. Whatever the government demand, demands goes. And what troubles me the most is that they still call this liberty. Well, it is an ancient form of liberty, and it led to many wars. But true liberty, again, is the right of conscience. And though you don't have to agree with others... It seems Americans today are hell-bent on imposing their will, whether through the government or through public pressure, to make people conform. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? How long will we be free if freedom keeps being sacrificed to the desires of this or that majority in this or that political year? How long will we be brave as long as anybody who dares goes against the majority is shunned from civil society? And once freedom and bravery are gone, what will the flag stand for?
I don't think liberty is completely gone in this country. Don't get me wrong. I think there are a lot of people who show courage. And probably my number one vice is cowardice at times. But power, as Lord Acton pointed out so famously, has corrupted the American nation. It has stolen the freedom of conscience from so many. It has driven people to thinking that the only way we can enact change is either voting in the right people or protesting and creating havoc in the streets. That the only way we're going to have progress is by some impending war whether here at home or abroad. That is a dangerous path to go down. Because it will only mean more sacrificing of liberty. I started out tonight feeling in a funky mood, feeling in a fun mood. And I pledged groove allegiance to the United Funk of Funkadelica. But as I think about the nation I was born in, I didn't choose it by simply being born in a certain place on the map. I did choose America, and I continue to choose America as I understand it. But there are some days when I watch the political news and I watch the political parties arguing amongst themselves... I wonder, where is that nation gone? It's not a nation based in blood or soil. It's not a nation based in this or that religion. It's based in a nation of the conscience and liberty for the individual. And some days I wonder, where is that gone? Thank you so much for listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I hope you have a good night. I hate to end on such a solemn note. But when your brain seems all scrambled, sometimes the best thing to do is to listen to Eddie Hazel. Destroy his guitar. Joey Clark.